This is Wicket's World with Mike Wicket on 1021 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines. Happy Friday to you. Lots to get to. You know what? We're not even going to waste time. We're just going to tell you what's coming up at the bottom of the hour, coming up at 1230. Uh, My buddy Jacob Westendorf, who covers the Green Bay Packers for SI.com, he tried to play both sides of the coin with me on uh, Jordan Love. When he was writing for Sports Illustrated, we will jump into both of those. We'll get into Aaron Rodgers actually speaking about hard knocks and uh, what should the the world expect now that HBO and the NFL have dropped the hammer on the New York Jets. But first, I do want to talk some college football, Big 12 Media Days in the books down at Jerry World. Joining me right now, you can read his fine work over at CycloneFanatic.com. Jared Stansberry is with us. Jared, thank you so much for the time, man. It feels like every time we start doing the media days, all the different conferences, like I know state fair still got to happen here in Des Moines, but you know what? Football season, you can smell it. Yeah, for sure. And fall camp's just uh, right around the corner here a couple weeks away. And, uh, you know, these media days, once they start start going, obviously, uh, you know, SEC's kind of next week as well. And then uh, I think the Big Ten's the, the week after that. And, uh, it just seems like it's right around the corner at that point. Let's get it going. I'm ready for football. I love summer. I love the warmth. I love being outside. And uh, but but football, man, I just can't wait for it. And this is a really, it, everybody can always say this. And every show you're going to be on, I'm sure, and every host is going to say the same thing. This is a real interesting year for Iowa State. It's actually a really interesting like four weeks for Iowa State. I imagine the talk of the Big Twelve media days for ISU had to be about these gambling charges. Can you lay out, or these gambling allegations, excuse me, can you lay out exactly what, in general terms, we know about gambling allegations and the Iowa State football team? Yeah, I mean, right now, you know, really all we know is uh, that they're waiting for information and uh, so that they can send that uh, off to the NCAA and you know, the NCAA really, uh, revised their, their gambling policies a couple weeks ago you know, loosen some of the restrictions and things like that. And, um, you know, I just think that Iowa State's kind of in a holding pattern at this point. But, you know, the first 10 minutes or so that we did talk to Matt Campbell yesterday, that was the, the majority of the conversation. And, you know, he he said that it's a minimal, a, a minimal number of players on the team. Um, you know, so I, I don't think it's a, a, a bunch of guys. But, uh, you know, until we know anything for certain, uh, then we, you know, it's hard to, Hard to guess. I know that that Coach Campbell is very good about staying positive, and he's very good about painting things in the best light. But when you're sitting there listening to him talk, whether he's at the podium or you get him one-on-one afterwards, what kind of mood does it seem like he's in? I mean, it, it seems like he is still in a in a good mood. I mean, I think he's excited about this football team, and you know, it's going to be a, a a young team. I think a, a little bit more inexperienced team, but you know, they were a young team a year ago, and uh, there's a, a lot of talent and I think more depth on this roster than what there maybe was uh, last season, just top to bottom. And uh, I think he feels good about that. I think he feels good about, you know, where they are from a leadership standpoint within the program at this point. And, uh, and he's liked what he's seen from uh, from this group so far. 
you know, just through uh, through winter workouts, spring ball, and, and now uh, summer conditioning. Jared Stansberry joining me from CycloneFanatic.com. Follow him on Twitter, at Jared Stansberry here on ESPN Des Moines. You know, a lot of the questions, and I know you guys wrote about it at your site, with bringing in the gambling conversation and, of course, the quarterback. And I don't think we have specifics yet, but there are rumors swirling, or are there rumors swirling, that Hunter Deckers, who might be a big-time key to this entire season, how scared are they that Decker's name is going to pop up on this? Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, to you know, the the rumors are what the rumors are, but uh, you know, I think right now, I again, nobody has been implicated in this officially, so it's uh, it's hard to to really speculate or anything like that. But I know, you know, Iowa State likes where they're at from a quarterback perspective. There's more experience in that room than there was a year ago. And, and that's not just with Hunter Deckers, who, you know, obviously has a full season as a starting quarterback under his belt. Uh, but Rocco Beck has been with the program for a full year. I think if, you know, it was a situation where they had to put Rocco into a game for whatever reason, they'd feel good about, about putting him out there and, and feel like he would be able to have some success. Uh, you know, they brought in JJ Cole, uh, you know, four-star quarterback out of Ankeny who, uh, you know, came in in, in the winter and, and went through the winter workouts and, and, and spring ball. Uh, and then they also added Tanner Hughes, who is a junior college quarterback out of Butte. Um, you know, a guy that played in about 20 games for Butte over the last two seasons, you know, threw for 25 touchdowns, five interceptions, an experienced quarterback at the, at the college level. But he obviously doesn't have that power five experience. And, you know, they wanted to go and, and find someone who did have some level of experience. He's more of a dual threat type of guy. Uh, and that's kind of um, who they landed on. And, you know, until until we hear any different, obviously, you know, Hunter Deckers has to be the presumed favorite to start a quarterback for Iowa State just because he was the guy, you know, in uh, back in the spring. And, and as far as we know, until someone says something something different publicly, then, uh, you know, it's hard to, to say anything different. But um, right now, you know, I think Iowa State feels good about where their quarterback room is just generally. If it's not Deckers, who did the best in spring? I mean, I think that's a, a good battle, you know. But again, I, I think that if you had to guess, it would be it, Rocco Beck would be the favorite to be that guy. But um, you know, I think that's just as much as anything from you know having that year of, of experience under his belt. And you know, Matt Campbell said that he came on really strong at the end of last year to kind of you know emerge in in the conversation as being that that full time backup. And uh, you know, I think that he felt really good about where he was, you know, coming out of last year, going back into that spring. Talking to Jared Stansberry, CycloneFanatic.com. Joining us here on ESPN Des Moines. My name's Mike Wickett. Um, last one on the gambling stuff, because I know that the answer is kind of generic and we're all just still waiting. Do we have any idea the time frame of this? No. Okay. <laughs> Simple answer, Jared. I appreciate that very much, that you're not just going to kind of, you know, try to beat around the the answer and you know, try to lie to me and make anything up. I appreciate that. And, and who is making the decision? Is this from the NCAA or is this from the state of Iowa? I mean, I think that, you know, obviously there's, there's different things to sort out probably on both sides of it, just from a, uh, you know, just from a legal standpoint, you know, obviously I'm not, <laughs> I'm not a cop. So Jared, I don't, I don't see, I don't see police and I don't thing. see a lawyer in your bio on Twitter. Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah, no. uh, so I, I can't speak to, to that portion of it, but 
you know, from an NCAA standpoint, I think that they're just waiting for information to be able to, you know, report the alleg- uh, report the, the violations and, um, you know, and then you got to work from there. But, uh, you know, obviously it's a, it's a process. And, and yesterday, you know, Matt Campbell was asked if he had any idea of any kind of timeline for clarity. And, you know, he said, he basically gave a, a longer answer of, of what I did. And, um, you know, I think that everybody just has to wait and see. Obviously, this just isn't something that happens very often. And, uh, well, I think it's going to happen more over the, you know, in the future, probably with, with college athletics. But, you know, everybody's kind of new to this. So I think it just is it's something that they're sorting through. I don't want to say, because radio hosts do this all the time about how hot and how warm is a seat. But if, if we don't start to see some improvement out of Iowa State, and they're, I think, but what's Matt Campbell, 40, 46 and 42 or something along those lines? I mean, this is falling back into some mediocrity. Are people getting worried at all about Matt Campbell and his future in Ames? Uh, I don't know about that because, I mean, I, like, let's, let's be honest. Like, I, I think you look at that team a year ago, it's a young team, and they, you know, lost a lot of close games and, uh, you know, just made some you know, key mistakes in critical times. You know, you think about the mistakes they made in the game against Kansas where, you know, they also had some injuries that had that really hurt that they team. They should have beat Texas. And, they should have beaten the Longhorns. Yeah, I, I don't know. I I don't think there's any scenario where Matt Campbell's seat is getting hot by any means. Good. Okay. Uh, I, I think that, uh, you know, and at the end of the day, Matt Campbell's won some of the biggest games in Iowa State history too. So I think right now he's bought himself a lot of grace. Uh and and then this situation that's kind of hanging over the program right now as well. I mean, you look at this team on its face, it's just on paper what the roster looks like right now, and this is a team that's very capable of going back to a bowl game and being back in the postseason. You know, who knows what could happen with this with the gambling thing? Like that certainly could, you know, change what those expectations and that outlook looks like. But I think Iowa State has the talent to be able to win six games and get back to the postseason. I don't think there's any question of that. Jared Stansberry joining me for another minute or two from CycloneFanatic.com. I'm Mike Wickett here on ESPN Des Moines. Who is, assuming Deckers or whoever the quarterback is, who is going to throw the football to now that Xavier Hutchinson, the record-setting all-time great, is playing in the National Football League? Yeah, I mean, obviously Jalen Knowles back, you know, and he's kind of going to be in that position to be, you know, your wide receiver one, wide receiver two, and, uh, you know, Prime to have a really big season. I know they really liked what they've seen from him during the spring and, uh, you know, into this summer. And he was down there at Big 12 Media Days and someone that, you know, I know is, I know is looked at as a, a leader on the team. And, um, you know, and then they brought in Jaden Higgins, who is a, a graduate transfer and someone that, you know, everybody's raved about that, you know, has a has good size and, uh, you know, really has the ability to make plays. And, uh, and I would imagine that he will be, he will be featured prominently in the, in the offense and, um, you know, and then they've just got a handful of other guys, Greg Gaines, uh, you know, Benny Nagoya. Like they've got some younger guys that are coming up that, you know, everybody kind of describes as, as freaks. And, um, you know, we'll see who can emerge at, at those positions. And then, you know, I know Matt Campbell feels good about where the tight end room is right now, too, just from, you know, a standpoint with, with Easton Dean and Tyler Moore and, and, you know, some of those guys coming back from Deshaun Hanneke, you know, some of those guys coming back from injury and, uh, you know, getting back fully healthy and, uh, so I think that they feel good from a, a playmaker standpoint, and um, you know there's going to have to be some guys who who step into to bigger roles than than what they have previously. But uh, I think they feel like 
you know, they've made good strides in being able to do that. Jared, before I get to the other side of the football, where's the strength of this team offensively? I mean, I think, I think that when healthy, you know, you look at what Jairo Brock has been able to do as, as a running back and, you know, what he was able to do early in the season last year. If he can get back to that kind of form then and, and the offensive line can come along, I mean, I feel like this team could have a pretty good, have pretty good success being able to run the football, you know, and I, I know that they, the staff really likes Cartavius Norton, you know, another guy that was injured for a lot of last season. And, you know, I'm not sure that he was ever really fully healthy, you know, the entire time that uh, even when he was playing for Iowa State last year. Uh, so I feel like that's a strength. And, and again, I think they feel good about those wide receivers, you know, and, uh, some of them are young, but you know, I think from a talent perspective, they feel like they've got the guys to be able to to really make uh, really make plays on on the edge. So uh, I, I just think in those that play those playmakers probably would be if I had to pinpoint one thing, I think that that's probably where I would say at this point. Who replaces? I mean, this is a, probably a dumb question, but who who replaces Will McDonald? <laughs> that's kind of a dumb question because nobody can replace Will McDonald. <laughs> Yeah, I would say, I mean, that's a that's a tough one. And, you know, that's obviously one that uh, I think is probably going to have to be by committee. Uh, and I know they've got a handful of guys that they feel, you know, really confident about stepping into to those positions. And, you know, obviously bringing back Isaiah Lee is kind of the anchor of that defensive line position. And, you know, they brought in, or not brought in, but, you know, they had some younger guys. Tyler Onyadine came on strong at the end of last season. Uh, you know, and they, they've got a few others that just have, uh, they feel really good about. And obviously you have to replace MJ Anderson too, which is that's a significant amount of production from a pass rush standpoint. And, um, you know, no easy task, big shoes to fill. But luckily for them, they've got, you know, what I think is, is going to be one of the best secondaries in the Big 12 behind them, uh, you know, led by TJ Tampa at the cornerback position. And, uh, you know, Miles Purchase is back at the other spot, Bo Freeler at one of the safeties. And I think that, you know, that group has the talent to be, you know, one of the best in in the league, and um, you know, hopefully that can take some pressure off of some of those unproven pass rushers. But I guess you're you're taking pressure off if the if the pass rush can't get enough pressure uh, in in a weird way, I suppose. And, and it's amazing you say that secondary is so talented, despite losing Anthony Johnson, who you know would would I think for a lot of teams in the National Football League are looking at the Packers and thinking, did they get a steal there at at pick two forty two in the seventh round? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that that just speaks to how well Iowa State has, has recruited and developed and at those positions. And, you know, Jeremiah Cooper was a guy a year ago as a true freshman that they really liked that, you know, went down with an injury and um, at, at one point. And uh, I don't know that he was ever fully healthy and, uh, you know, back to full strength and is someone that I, I know they're really excited about getting back out on the field. Malik Verdant, another one that's been banged up that, you know, when he's been healthy uh, has shown great great potential and um i just think as a unit you know that group has some really high-end talent obviously at the top with uh with tj tampa who's someone who will be you know playing on sunday sooner rather than later anthony johnson may start for my packers you know that might be a good that might work out just fine hey jared really appreciate the time man thank you so much for coming on continued success we'll keep reading you at cyclonefanatic.com yeah for sure man anytime see you later jared stansbury cyclonefanatic.com on twitter at jared stansbury and it is a very strange time for Iowa State football. Yes, they're getting ready for fall camp. Yes, they're getting ready for the season. But then there's this gambling thing. And we don't know names. We don't know a lot of details. We don't even know how many. I read upwards of 15 members 
either of the football team or within the uh, you know athletes within the athletic program. Because the rule is, here's the rule, and I know we got to get to a break. In college, if you if you're an athlete, you cannot bet on a pro sport if there is a college championship equivalent, aka you can if you're if you're Hunter Deckers or you're any football player, you can't bet on the NFL because there is a college football championship like there is an NFL championship. So you can't even bet on college basketball. You can't bet on college hockey. You can't bet on anything because, or professional basketball or professional hockey because there's a college equivalent. I think there's like two sports. Like UFC, you can bet on. And I think that's it. (laughs) I think that might be the whole list that if you are a football player at Iowa or Iowa State or Northern or whatever, you can bet on UFC. You cannot bet on the NFL. You cannot bet on the NBA. You cannot bet on Major League Baseball because it's a college equivalent championship. I did not know that was the rule until we started hearing all about these things going down at Iowa State and other schools, and Iowa baseball was kind of in the limelight for that as well. Uh, Coming up, bottom of the hour, 1230, Jacob Westendorf joins me, covers the Packers for SI, Sports Illustrated, and we will talk about his, he tried to play both sides of the Jordan Love card. We'll get, we'll, we'll stick, we'll tell him how we don't do both sides in the media, but straight ahead, Aaron Rodgers has now spoken about the Jets and hard knocks. You'll hear from number eight. Sounds weird to say. Next. Wicket needs a timeout. He'll be back soon. You're listening to 1021 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines. One zero two one FM and thirteen fifty ESPN Des Moines. This is Wicket's World. My name is Mike Wicket. Coming up in about uh, eleven minutes from right now, we're going to talk to Jacob Westendorf. Covers the Packers for Sports Illustrated. He has a story out: five reasons why Packers fans should trust Jordan Love, and five reasons why you shouldn't. Don't trust Jordan Love. Number one, I bought his jersey. That's number one. I'm all, I'm all in. All you need is love. We'll do that in a bit, but. If you haven't seen it, it became official, and rarely do we say, and for the most part, you know, I was thinking about this the other day. For the most part, the National Football League gets a lot of stuff right, at least from a viewership standpoint, right? Like, you may not like the fact that you can't hit quarterbacks and referees make, on one Sunday, a call is one way, and on another Sunday, a call goes the other way, and you can't understand it. But from a viewership standpoint, The NFL generally gets it right. Look at the NFL draft. Look how big the NFL draft is, and it literally is a guy reading names. That's all it is. The NFL draft could be an email, right? But we make it a three-day event, and we talk about it from the moment the Super Bowl ends until whenever it happens in April or May. But it could all be an it could be an IM message thing. It could just be like, all right, who are you taking? I'm going to take Bryce Young, number one. Okay, cool. Boom, Bryce Young, Panthers. But no, we have made it. We made it a red carpet event. I was in Kansas City for the draft, and if you've seen it, there's a fountain, and then the stage is in front of the fountain. But you could walk. There's a walkway in between the fountain and the stage. Well, off to the left is where there was beer, and I was off getting beer, and I was coming back, and they stopped everyone. Because that's where the red carpet was rolling through. They were rolling all the stars, all the picks, 
So we're all like huddled up like sheep. We can't cross because they're literally getting Bryce Young and uh, C.J. Stroud and all, all these guys are all there and they're just walking them up so they're in the green room and they're in the back at Union Station down there. We've turned a, an email into a three-day event. So usually I would say the NFL gets the entertainment portion of stuff right. And when we heard that the rumors of the final four teams for this year's HBO Hard Knocks, and Hard Knocks is so well done. It's phenomenal. We heard the four finalists were the Commanders, the Saints, the Bears. None of them mattered. The one team that you knew was going to be picked if the NFL was going to do it right. And the NFL is about ratings. The NFL is about getting people to watch their programming. The day the Jets traded for Aaron Rodgers was the day you knew Hard Knocks was going to feature the Jets. They hit all the criteria. They haven't been to the playoffs the last couple of years. They don't have a new year, a new first-year head coach. Robert Sally's been there for a while. They've sucked for the last few years, and they haven't been on in 10 years. You knew it, especially when they announced the Final Four or when Adam Schefter reported the Final Four, and we knew it was going to be the Jets. The Bears are not a story this year. I mean, Justin Fields, nice story. The Saints are not a story this year. Nobody's excited about Derek Carr. And the Commanders, the only thing exciting and juicy about the Commanders is their scandalous, disgusting human being of an owner. Soon to be former owner. So when we we found out that the Jets were finally officially named this week, it was like, yes! But I love, okay, you got the Rodgers story, which we're going to hear from number eight. It's weird to say. But what I love so much is that nobody, because you can volunteer, and if nobody in the league volunteers, then the NFL says, all right, we're picking the team, and here's the criteria. Nobody on the Jets wants to be a part of Hard Knocks. You know there's already tons of attention because of Rodgers. It's New York. It's the Jets. They're, they're a, you know, the city's a marquee. I wouldn't say they're a marquee franchise, but it's still New York. Oh, wicked, they play their games in New Jersey. I know, but they're the New York Jets. So let's, like, rewind the clock a little bit. Let's hear from a head coach, Robert Saleh, on the idea of Hard Knocks. I haven't gotten word or anything like that. I, I know there's several teams that would love for Hard Knocks to be in their building. We're just not one of them. <laughs> eh, too bad. So sad. Sorry. Because there are cameras everywhere. And they're in the meetings where you cut players. And they're in the film meetings. And they're on the sidelines. And they're going to catch all the fights. And they're going to catch all the drama. And they're going to get all of that. And, of course, they're going to speak to your quarterback, who we're going to hear from in a moment. But first, ESPN's Lewis Riddick says, well, this is all kind of nonsense. It shouldn't affect the team. I don't think this team will care. I don't think it's going to play one bit of difference as far as whether or not this team really is a competitor in the East or not, or in the AFC overall. They have bigger issues to contend with that will really materially affect their one-loss record. Hard knocks ain't going to mean anything. I think he's right. I believe he's right. I think overall it will not affect the majority of their preparation. But there are always little distractions in training camp. And now you're going to have a camera magnifying that. And a camera is going to put it up on TV. We're all going to watch it. It's going to go to Twitter. And then it becomes a firestorm. If Aaron Rodgers chews out a young receiver for not finishing a route, we're going to get it. When Aaron Rodgers speaks, we're going to get it. I don't know if Robert Saleh has Rex Ryan juice in him. I don't know yet. We're going to find out. And when you, if you're wondering, Wicket, what do you mean by Rex Ryan juice? This is what I mean from 13 years ago. 
Make sure we play like the New York Jets and not some slap team. That's what I want to see tomorrow. Do we understand what the I want to see tomorrow? Let's go to eat a damn snack. That is the best. I don't think Robert Saleh has that, but I love that. And then like the most famous quote in the history of Hard Knocks was Antonio Cromartie. I mean, he's just sitting like, you know, on a curb. His arms are on his knees and they're talking to him. And he's trying to remember the names of all seven of his kids. Yeah, Alonzo, who was five. I have um, Karis, who was three. I have my junior, which is three. My daughter, who just turned three as of yesterday. Um, I have another son named Tyler. That's uh, he turns three in December. I got another uh, daughter that was born October 16th, named London. Uh, another daughter that was born named Leilani, who's uh, two years old. And uh, I have uh, my newborn with my wife. Her name is Jersey. He's got that was seven kids, and he was, I think, at that time, twenty-six years old. Twenty-six years old had seven kids. That dude, Antonio Cromartie, made forty million dollars in his NFL career. He still had seven more. He has fourteen children, six with his wife, fourteen children. He had three. After a vasectomy. (laughs) Like he tried to shut it off. And still. He did a reality show. I think it was only for one year over on USA. Uh, I don't know what Antonio Cromartie's doing now. Besides trying to raise 14 kids. My goodness. So there's going to be a star that's going to come out of this. Obviously all eyes will be on Aaron Rodgers. But it might just be Jets tight end coach Ron Middleton. If it moves, hit it. Yes. If it don't move, hit it. And if you're not sure, guess what? Hit it. Let's come out of this the most physical team on that field today, regardless. Let's win the hitting battle. You got me? I like that guy. He's going to be fun. I hope he is the star of Hard Knocks. But who's the star of the New York Jets right now? It's Aaron Rodgers, right? Who's going to be the star of Hard Knocks, who's going to get all the attention. The reason why HBO and the NFL landed on the Jets is because they want people to watch their show. And we know the, the, the head coach doesn't want anything to do with Hard Knocks. But what about the quarterback? Aaron Rodgers, he's been in Green Bay, the smallest little media market in the entire sports world. Little tiny Green Bay going to New York. Now we're putting cameras everywhere. This is the exact opposite of Green Bay. So he's at a golf tournament. He's in Lake Tahoe. Somebody gets a microphone in front of him. And here's what Jets quarterback Aaron Rodgers had to say about Hard Knocks and the Jets. One of the only things I like about Hard Knocks is the voice of God who narrates it. Live. I hope I get to meet him. But look, you know, I understand the, the appeal with us. Obviously, there's a lot of eyes on me, a lot of eyes on our team, a lot of expectations for our squad. So uh, they forced it down our throats and we got to deal with it. They forced it down our throats. That's going to be that's probably trending right now on Twitter. Like that is the phrase right there. They forced it down our throats. That is what everybody is going to be tweeting. That's what you're going to see all over the, 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 the debate shows all weekend. They forced it down our throats. That is exactly what we wanted to hear. Moody, cranky Aaron Rodgers. I love it. 
And here's a little pro tip, by the way. If you're like, boy, I sure would like to watch this, Wick, and I don't just want to watch cuts on Twitter, order HBO or Max or whatever it's called now. Do the 30-day trial and then cancel it. All right? You maybe want to wait a week. So that way, if there's... Because I, I don't know when the first episode airs. The first episode of last season's aired on August 9th. All right? And the season kicks off eight weeks from yesterday. So what is that? Uh, the, the 10th, the 11th, something like that? Maybe whatever the Thursday night is between the Lions and the Chiefs. So order HBO Max and then cancel it after your 30-day trial is over. I cannot wait for Hard Knocks. I've got more to say about... Uh, TV shows covering NFL teams because if you haven't seen quarterback on Netflix, you better watch it. More on that coming up in a bit. Straight ahead, my guy Jacob Westendorf writes for Sports Illustrated, covers the Green Bay Packers, and for some reason thought he could just slide a couple of articles playing both sides of the Jordan Love card. We'll talk to him next. Like ESPN Des Moines on Facebook and watch Wicket's World live in real time. This is 1021 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines. 1021 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines. As you know, I'm a Green Bay fan. My name is Mike Wickett. This is Wickett's World, by the way. You know I'm a Green Bay Packers fan. Joining me right now, a guy who covers the Green Bay Packers for Sports Illustrated, and he tried to play the both sides card with his latest stuff. He tried to sneak this by us, but let's bring in Jacob Westendorf from Sports Illustrated SI.com. Jacob, appreciate the time, my friend. How are you? Mike, good to hear from you. Yes, thank you. It's, uh, it's good to be here out in uh, Des Moines, Iowa, one of my favorite places in the world. Five Reasons to Believe in Jordan Love was published on July 12th at 8.32 in the morning. Five Reasons Not to Believe in Jordan Love was published by you July 12th, 9.08 in the morning. Literally a half hour of playing both sides here, Jacob. Yeah, that's, uh, I mean, hey, listen, I, I've said it about a thousand times on anything that I've done. The way, we, we don't know. You know, the, the only thing the team can say they know, uh, the players, the teammates, and everybody can say that they know. But I feel like anybody who's on the outside, um, and even in, inside to some degree, the way you feel about Jordan Love today is probably the way you felt about him draft night 2020. So if you're like me and you were skeptical of that draft choice because of the player, not because of all the surrounding circumstances that go around it, if you're skeptical of the player, then you probably still are. If you believe in him and thought he had an opportunity to be a top 15, top 10 kind of quarterback, I don't think you've seen anything to drastically change your opinion Either way. So I think there's reasons to, to believe in and to not believe in him. It's a, it's a confirmation of fire. This is what this is all about, right? <laughs> I do love it. Let's start with the positive here. Five reasons to uh, believe in Jordan Love. The first one you cite is Brian Gutekind's gamble. Uh, he seems to be a guy that can roll the dice and come up sevens as opposed to snake eyes. Yeah, he has. Uh, if you look back, his first his first ever draft selection was Jair Alexander, and Jair Alexander doesn't fit those thresholds that the Packers have for the cornerback in terms of their height. Gutekunst admitted as much after uh, they picked him and said, like, you know, we bent a little to pick him. Uh, and Alexander is one of the, the best corners in all of football. And then you go the next year to Rashawn Gary, who, Michigan guy, uh, they're asking him to change positions make him a outside linebacker instead of a defensive end. And Gary and a bunch of other people have talked about that is a rather 
a drastic difference in times just because of the way they have to shape their bodies and how they stand and just all the different stuff that goes to that. Gary, and those are their two best players on the defensive side of the ball right now as you go through everything. So uh, Gutekunst, when he gambled, and, you know, the others, Eric Stokes kind of showed some nice things in that, um, played out through his rookie season, a bit of a sophomore slump before he got injured. But when Gutekunst has made those big gambles like he did with Alexander and Gary, like you said, it's come up sevens. So he's hoping this one uh, comes up tens, which I know isn't a, isn't a reference that fits, but still, that's his numbers. No, and therefore it works great. I'm fine with it. And, and I understand. Talking to Jacob Westendorf, covers the Packers, SI.com, joining us here on ESPN Des Moines. My name is Mike Wickett. I, whenever I do interviews, and your second point is about head coach Matt LaFleur, whenever I'm a guest uh, talking about the Packers with anybody, people always say, when they have a great coach in Matt LaFleur, I don't know if he's a great coach. We, we saw him, t- he, we, we saw Aaron Rodgers play at an MVP level two out of the three years, and then there was last season, and you're like, yeah, is Matt LaFleur a good coach, a great coach, or a we don't know yet coach? Yeah, I think that's a fair question. I would tell you, I still think he's really good. Uh, I feel like he's navigated the situation in Green Bay about as well as you could. Remember, when he took over in 2019, that was a situation that was toxic. Our buddy Tyler Dunn wrote a story about how the Packers locker room was divided and they were sniping back and forth at the head coach. There's this huge divide between the quarterback. And it was a team that was used to winning that now went through a couple years of losing. And he comes in there in 2019 helps change the culture with the help of guys like Zedarius Smith, Preston Smith, Adrian Amos coming over, and really kind of does the 2007 Mike McCarthy to Brett Favre uh, with Aaron Rodgers, kind of revitalizes them. That first year, like you mentioned, it, weren't an, it wasn't an MVP-level quarterback play from Aaron Rodgers. He, was, he played well enough, but then they get to 13-3, and they play for an NFC championship with a team that everybody kind of said was fraudulent, right? So if that's the case and they're fraudulent, I mean, and that tells me that coaching kind of goes through some things on the margins there. The problem with Lafleur has been in the biggest games, his teams have not played their best football. 2020 against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, 2021 against the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, last year against Detroit, they didn't play particularly well either. Uh, but I feel like he's navigated the situation in Green Bay really well. And we'll see that, in my opinion, Matt Lafleur's biggest challenge this year is, is I promise you, and I, I'm not citing sources or anything like that, but I, it just makes sense. There's 90 guys on the roster right now. Of the guys that were on the team in 2022, there are people on that team that still believe Aaron Rodgers should be their quarterback and they should have figured out a way to make that work. LaFleur's ability to kind of navigate that and get everybody to buy in, that's his biggest challenge. But I feel like we've seen enough evidence that he's fit to be that man for the job. The buying in thing. It is such a hot-button topic, I think, with Packers fans because, yes, Aaron Rodgers seemingly sort of bought in to Matt LaFleur and the Shanahan-esque, the McVay-esque offense. But so many times last year, and I know his thumb was busted, but so many times, Jacob, you're watching the games like I am, it's hero ball, and it's third and two, and why are we why are we watching him throw a 28-yard pass down the sideline and a jump ball to a rookie? Like, sometimes it just feels like Aaron Rodgers didn't, fully buy in and with a guy who has so many MVPs and so much success and he's a hall of fame player, he had autonomy Has Jordan love bought in. And I don't think he's going to have the autonomy to change everything up and audible like, like 12 did. Yeah. And I don't think Jordan love has a choice, but to buy in, you know, the Packers, uh, it's been reported, you know, Albert Breer, the jets believe 
that Aaron Rodgers wasn't a player that was fully bought in in 2022. And I think you kind of saw that play out as the team trying to find the way. Even honestly, you know, their winning streak to close out the season last year was mostly, in my opinion, a byproduct of playing some not-so-great teams with some not-so-great quarterback situations. So the defense was able to play well. But this wasn't Aaron Rodgers' 2016 scorched earth, run-the-table, revenge tour, whatever moniker you want to use for that. He didn't play particularly well throughout the course of the year. Um, and really even that continued throughout the last four or five games of the season where they won four and then they lost the, the season closer there against against Detroit. So I think that uh, Jordan Love, when you talk about buy-in, he doesn't really have a choice because what else does he know? The reality for Jordan Love here too is his career is on the line. Uh, this could be one and done. And I know a lot of Packer fans try and push back on me when I say that. But if the Packers are the worst team in the NFL this year, which is on the table, I don't think that will happen, but it's on the table. If that happens and Jordan Love is awful, I think it's at least a plausible scenario that Mike or Mark Murphy is promoted to like member emeritus status, similar to what they did with Ted Thompson when they hired Brian Gutekunst. Gutekunst is fired and Matt LaFleur is fired and somebody else picks Caleb Williams number one overall next year because it will be absolutely toxic if the Packers are that bad and if Jordan Love stinks, because that's what happens when, you know, the known quantity, even at not playing as well last year in Aaron Rodgers, when you show him the door and make selections to show him the door and you lose, you get fired. And that is certainly on the table for this Packers team this year. I don't like your negativity, Jacob. If the Packers, <laughs> if, if Jordan Love is healthy and the Packers are still the worst and become the worst team in the National Football League, barring injury, like if it's injury and it has to be, what's his name from a Penn State, Sean Clifford, who they took late, fine, they, top of the draft it is. But if Love is healthy for most of, if not all the year, I cannot see this team being the worst team in the National Football League. I don't even see them being the worst team. It, it, I, this is a playoff team, I believe. I, I truly believe this team has enough talent if Love is above average because I don't think you're going to see this team go away from the run game as much as it has in the past. I think you're going to see love hand the ball off a lot and everything is going to be pre-snap and all this stuff that we love to see when it looks like a symphony as opposed to when Aaron Rodgers was basically directing traffic and saying you go throw the ball downfield go I really believe love is going to be good maybe not great in, in the next year or two but I think he's going to be a top 15 top 12 quarterback it's not like he was drafted 199th overall no no it wasn't you're right and and he's got a infrastructure, since that's the buzzword around the Green Bay area this offseason. He's got an infrastructure around him that will help him succeed. You mentioned the running backs. Aaron Jones uh, leads the league in yards per carry behind only Nick Chubb since 2020. I had to look that up earlier today for something else that's coming out later. Uh, but he's really good. A.J. Dillon, really good. And the other thing I think that will help this team find its footing, and this is barring health, which is a scary game to play in the NFL, do you remember who the starting five on the offensive line was last season for Green Bay against Minnesota? And then they're playing musical chairs throughout because somebody's hurt. Somebody comes back. Somebody else gets benched for four plate. Like, they started week one. Yosh Nyman, John Runyon, Josh Myers, Jake Hansen, Royce Newman. First of all, Jake Hansen and Royce Newman, I don't know if Hansen's an NFL player. Royce Newman might be, but he's probably a backup and should never be playing tackle. John Runyon moves over to the right side, then with Elton comes back, and they're continuously playing musical chairs. Well, now, again, assuming health, they're all pro left tackle. One of the best players in all of football is back. David Bakhtiari will be there in theory to start the season. Elton Jenkins forms one of the best tandems on the left side of the offensive line to protect his blind side and help out that way. And then 
Um, you've got a solidified right side now with one of Yoshi Nyman or Zach Tom playing. John Runyon's playing guard. And Josh Myers is a guy they really believe in. Maybe he takes the leap. Maybe he doesn't. Or if he doesn't, then Nyman wins the tackle job. Maybe Zach Tom plays center. But I can promise you, any of those six guys I just mentioned, any combination of that group is better than that first five that they threw together. And they'll have a little bit more of an identity on offense. With all due respect to Sammy Watkins, who's been a good NFL player for his career, he's not going to be taking snaps away from Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs. And the rookies, maybe, or well, second-year players now, can play a little more free and easy since they don't have to worry about if I don't run to the right spot, I'm going to get the evil eye from the quarterback and maybe be frozen out for the rest of the time that we're playing here today. And the tight end position is more talented and far the passing game goes. I, Musgrave and Kraft are probably going to take some time, but just by sheer talent, they're more talented than Robert Tunyon and with all due respect to Mercedes Lewis, him as well, and able to make some plays that way. So I agree with you. I think the talent is there. I don't think the Packers are going to be uh, on paper on paper, or in having it play out be one of the worst teams in the NFL. That's just what the unknown at the quarterback position can do. But you're right. The guys around him do set him up to be able to succeed. I just saw Quinnen Williams sign a $96 million deal defensive lineman with the New York Jets. I think he just showed the highlight reel of what he did to the Packers offensive line at Lambeau Field last year. And that was enough to get him $96 million just on repeat. That's a bargain if you just showed him that. Two more real quick for you because I know you got to get out of here. Jacob is, uh, we're talking to Jacob Westendorf, covers the Packers for SI.com. He's got five reasons to believe in Jordan Love, also has five reasons not to believe. We are not going that far. Uh, the bar is low. If Honestly, if he plays like Aaron Rodgers played last year, this team's an eight-win team, which is what they were a year ago. Yeah, and that's the part that makes every like everybody says. I said it at the beginning of that point. It was he's replacing future Hall of Famer, four-time league MVP Aaron Rodgers, and Rodgers is one of the best players as far as you know. My money's worth the only quarterbacks, and I'm in my early 30s, so take that for what it's worth. But the only quarterbacks I've seen that are better than him are Brady, Peyton Manning, and Patrick Mahomes. That's it. Then you've got Rodgers, but that's not the player that the Packers are replacing this year. They're replacing a guy that was toward the bottom of the league. Rogers said once that, you know, career years for him were bad years, or career years for other quarterbacks were bad years for him. And maybe that's true, but that's not the player that he was last year. He threw the most interceptions he had since his first season as a starter. He had his lowest passer rating since 2015, which we know now is that year that Jordy Nelson tore his ACL. I mean, for 300 yards in a game in the modern NFL, like we're talking about, Guys can roll out of bed and throw for three. Taylor Heineke threw for 300 yards several times last year. <laughs> right, exactly. Like it's, And then the last game of the season, Rodgers was terrible in the fourth quarter, threw up a pass that was intercepted, and then that was the last time he was in the field. That's the player that Jordan Love is replacing. And they still went 8-9 and nine last year with some uncertainty on the offensive line and uncertainty of their offensive identity, the defense going up and down. You know, Joe Barry has admitted that, the, the defense doesn't have 10 weeks or something like that is what he had said to, to waste this year before no. they get to the point that they need to be. But, I mean, the defense should, in theory, be better this year because Barry's coaching for his job. There's so much, again, I know this line causes, like, nausea for Packer fans, but there's so much talent on that defense. At some point, <laughs> that has to shine through even if I'm the guy coaching the defense. Hey, Jacob, uh, last one, 30 seconds. The glimpse that you reference in your story. It looked really good against Philly for that half. Yeah, it did. And it was only 10 dropbacks. Eagles were playing, you know, maybe a different defense. Love us talking about that. But 
I mean, I was 16 years old when Aaron Rodgers took over for Brett Favre on that Thursday night football game against the Cowboys at Texas Stadium, and that felt like the renaissance year for Favre, and the Packers were going to go and win the Super Bowl, and, and Favre was going to be able to exercise all of those demons, and that didn't happen. And then Rodgers came in. Both of those teams were 10-1 and one or something like that at that point. It was a great matchup for Thursday night football, which we never get anymore, so that's unfortunate. Um, but the Packers... They have love come in the game, and then all of a sudden we're just kind of like, okay, let's kind of see what happens. And then he throws a dart to Christian Watson, and it turns into a, a, an explosive touchdown, and everyone's just kind of like, oh. And then I, I think the, the line that hits me the most is Mike Tirico, the call on, who's great for NBC Sports, he's on there, and he says, whoa, hang on a minute. Like, Jordan Love, and then his next series, they end up kicking a field goal, but he throws a cover, well, it wasn't really cover two, but he throws a whole shot to Aaron Jones, which Jones says he should have caught, and that might have been his best throw of the night. And then there was another play where he rolls to his right and tries to hit, I think it was Jones again in the end zone, and the ball wasn't caught, but it was, or it was Randall Cobb uh, trying to catch the ball in the end zone, and that didn't happen either. But Love looked great, and that Eagles defense was number one in the NFL against the pass last year, the nastiest pass rush in football. And he stared him down and did his thing. Like you said, it was for 10 dropbacks, that's it. But I mean, if you want to be optimistic, and trust me, I'm still a fan at the end of the day. So I do. I look back at those numbers and those snaps quite a bit trying to figure that out. Well, since you were 16 in the year 2007, and you just let us all know that, this will be the last time you come on this show. You just <laughs> That was a terrible line to drop on us here, Jacob. Uh, continued success, SI.com. If you want his negative side of it as well, there also is a story, five reasons not to believe in Jordan Love. But we're going to tear that one up. Jacob, thank you for the time, my friend. Mike, always a pleasure. Thank you. Jacob Westendorf covers the Green Bay Packers for Sports Illustrated Online. SI.com does a great job. And there are reasons not to believe in Jordan Love. I understand that. But I am Mr. Sunshine and Rainbows. That's what I'm known as. I don't want all these negativity, negative comments. I don't want to swirling around my Green Bay Packers. All right, coming up. Do you remember who Angel Reese is? Angel Reese from the LSU Tigers, the woman that stalked Caitlin Clark at the end of the national championship game. I almost liked her. I You almost had me back, Angel. But then you... Ah, that's next. Wicket needs a timeout. He'll be back soon. You're listening to 1021 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines. It's 1021 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines. My name is Mike Wicket. Happy Friday. Cubs are in, uh, are they in Boston tonight? We'll have uh, Chicago and the Boston Red Sox. I think that's who they're playing tonight. Back at it after the All-Star break. NL won. Two of the three Cubs did not play. Both sat it out. Uh, Justin Steele did pitch for the Cubs on Wednesday night. But uh, they'll get back at it. We'll have every game for you. Plus Sunday night baseball right here on ESPN Des Moines. So the this is, if you did not know, this is when it is the most difficult time, the most difficult week. And I only do this show once a week. I used to do sports talk a lot, you know, every day uh, in, in a previous couple of stops in my uh, my radio career. This week is always the toughest week to find stuff to talk about. Because if you don't live in a baseball town or baseball or your team sucks, like Kansas City, you're not talking about the Royals because the Royals suck, all right? You can talk about how bad they are, but people don't really want to hear about how bad the Royals are for the seventh year in a row. Uh, if you don't live in a hardcore baseball town, generally baseball, regardless of time, is a tough, it's a tough sell. 
Baseball just doesn't grab people like football does and like basketball does. Um, and so this week, when Major League Baseball is on its all-star break, is always the toughest week of the year. That's why you hear so many shows where their hosts are on vacation this week. They always are. And then ESPN decided a couple of years ago they're going to put the ESPYs, which used to be on the Sunday of this week. They moved it to the middle of the week, which is fine because there's nothing going on. You had the Derby on Monday, the All-Star game on Tuesday, the ESPYs were on Wednesday. Nothing was on yesterday. And then we get back into baseball season, you know, kick it off. And then the trade deadline, I think, is next week. If not, it's the end of the month. And all eyes are on Shohei Otani, and I understand that. If the, the Angels are smart, they would trade him for the six best prospects in anybody's system, and it would be worth it if you're a, a contender. So the ESPYs happened on Wednesday, and normally I don't watch the ESPYs. The last time I watched the ESPYs was seven years ago. Do you know how I know it was seven years ago? Because seven years ago I was in Las Vegas, and seven years ago I proposed to my wife. Seven years ago today, as a matter of fact, I proposed to my wife. Facebook told me. I didn't remember. Facebook told me, <laughs> but Facebook told me that. And I remember the night before she had work to do. She brought her laptop. She had to get some stuff done for work. And so there we are in Vegas and I am drinking alone in our hotel room bed. And my wife is on her laptop, but that was the last time I watched the ESPYs. And it was, you know, the ESPYs are what they are. Generally, it's the worst of the award shows. But so up for breakthrough athlete this year. We had a couple of Iowans. We had Caitlin Clark, the GOAT, the greatest female basketball player I've ever seen in my life from Iowa and from Iowa State. Now with the Niners, Brock Purdy, both up for Breakthrough Athlete of the Year. Now, neither one of them won. The winner was actually Angel Reese. If you remember Angel Reese, she plays for LSU. She's the Bayou Barbie, tremendously talented female basketball player. She's really good, averaged like 23 and 15 for LSU and went to the national championship and wound up winning. But what people remember her for in that game was not that she was the leading scorer because she wasn't. She wasn't the leading scorer on her own team, much less the game, was that at the end of the game, she's following Caitlin Clark around, stalking her, hunting her on the court, waving her hand in her face and pointing to her finger that she got the ring. And I had a huge problem with that. I don't mind trash talk in a game. But I had a huge problem with it at the end of the game, when it was over, when it was decided, when everyone was going to be in tears on one side and you're rubbing it in their face. Now, maybe I make a bigger deal out of it than anybody else, but that's just my opinion. So she wins the Breakthrough Athlete of the Year Award. And as the speech is going on, I'm like, God, maybe, maybe I'm wrong about Angel Reese. Maybe I really do like Angel Reese. But then at the end of her speech, I was like, nope. Play it. And the SB goes to Angel Reese, LSU Women's Basketball. Thank you, guys. Ooh, I'm nervous. <laughs> First, I just want to thank, thank God. I mean, I can't stop thanking God every day for, for this amazing hey, blessing. Okay, I want to thank my family, my mom. mom. My mom put me and my brother through college, and I'm going to graduate this year. And I just want to oh. thank LSU, LSU, my family, my teammates, my coaches, Kim Mulkey, everybody that helped me. I mean, I, last year I transferred from University of Maryland and came to LSU, and I just joined a family. So I just want to say thank you, and another natty is coming, period. Now, what you don't see, because it's radio, she waves her hand in front of her face as she walks off the podium, and maybe, again, maybe I make too big of a deal out of this, all right? Maybe I'm... A different generation. I'm 42. She's 21. I get it. I'm old. But I believe in sportsmanship and class. All right? And maybe 
Caitlin Clark doesn't care. Maybe 10 years down the road when they're both playing for Team USA and winning gold medals, they're going to laugh in the locker room and they'll be like, remember those idiots in the media who thought we really hated each other because of the trip? But that, to me, just, again, Angel Reese, I was like, man, the speech, mom put her through college. That's just so great. Good job, mom. And then she does that. And then I got to thinking, maybe I don't really dislike Angel Reese winning the Breakthrough Athlete of the Year Award. Maybe I have no problem with that. Maybe maybe I was ticked at first, but here's why. The same award ceremony, the great, the best female college athlete award went to Caitlin Clark. Not the Breakthrough Athlete, the best college female athlete, which means everybody. And I'm like, how do you win one without the other? You know why? Because Caitlin Clark was already great a year ago. She was doing this in college basketball a year ago. She was hitting 30-foot threes and blowing people's minds and having LeBron James tweet about her a year ago. So I guess I need to apologize to Angel Reese. Congrats to Angel Reese for finally getting noticed. Congratulations on finally having somebody notice you and you break through from all of the clutter of the other athletes. Congratulations to Angel Reese. I I take everything back that I said because we are you can't be the you can't win breakthrough athlete of the year if you're already the goat. All right? You can't break through if everybody already knows how great you are. But if nobody knows who you are, congrats to Angel Reese. I am done. My uh, thanks to Jared Stansbury, CycloneFanatic.com, Jacob Westendorf, SportsIllustrated.com. If you missed anything, uh, it'll be podcast at ESPNDesMoines.com. Thank you so much to Kira for keeping us on the air. Is this uh, Papa Roach? All right. I like it. July 24th. I'll be at that show. You going to be at that one? Kira. All right. Have a great weekend. Thanks for listening to 1021 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines.